Aeronautical Information Manual Chapter 6, Section 3, Distress and Urgency Procedures. Distress and Urgency Communications. A pilot who encounters a distress or urgency condition can obtain assistance simply by contacting the air traffic facility or other agency in whose area of responsibility the aircraft is operating, stating the nature of the difficulty, pilot's intentions and assistance desired. Distress and urgency communications procedures are prescribed by the International Civil Aviation Organization, ICAO, however, and have decided advantages over the informal procedure described above. Distress and urgency communications procedures discussed in the following paragraphs relate to the use of air-ground voice communications. The initial communication, and if considered necessary, any subsequent transmissions by an aircraft in distress should begin with the signal mayday, preferably repeated three times. The signal PANPN should be used in the same manner for an urgency condition. Distress communications have absolute priority over all other communications, and the word mayday commands radio silence on the frequency in use. Urgency communications have priority over all other communications except distress, and the word PANPAN warns other stations not to interfere with urgency transmissions. Normally, the station addressed will be the air traffic facility or other agency providing air traffic services on the frequency in use at the time. If the pilot is not communicating and receiving services, the station to be called will normally be the air traffic facility or other agency in whose area of responsibility the aircraft is operating, on the appropriate assigned frequency. If the station address does not respond, or if time or the situation dictates, the distress or urgency message may be broadcast, or a collect call may be used, addressing any station, tower, radio, radar. The station addressed should immediately acknowledge a distress or urgency message, provide assistance, coordinate and direct the activities of assisting facilities, and alert the appropriate search and rescue coordinator if warranted. Responsibility will be transferred to another station only if better handling will result. All other stations, aircraft and ground, will continue to listen until it is evident that assistance is being provided. If any station becomes aware that the station being called either has not received a distress or urgency message, or cannot communicate. With the aircraft in difficulty, it will attempt to contact the aircraft and provide assistance. Although the frequency in use or other frequencies assigned by ATC are preferable, the following emergency frequencies can be used for distress or urgency communications, if necessary or desirable. 121.5 MHz and 243.0 MHz. Both have a range generally limited to line of sight. 121.5 MHz is guarded by direction finding stations and some military and civil aircraft. 243.0 MHz is guarded by military aircraft. Both 121.5 MHz and 243.0 MHz are guarded by military towers, most civil towers, and radar facilities. Normally ARTCC emergency frequency capability does not extend to radar coverage limits. If an ARTCC does not respond when called on 121.5 MHz or 243.0 MHz, call the nearest tower. Obtaining Emergency Assistance 
A pilot in any distress or urgency condition should immediately take the following action, not necessarily in the order listed, to obtain assistance. Climb, if possible, for improved communications and better radar and direction finding detection. However, it must be understood that unauthorized climb or descent under IFR conditions within controlled airspace is prohibited, except as permitted by 14 CFR section 91.3 b. If equipped with a radar beacon transponder, civil, or IFF slash military. Continue squawking assigned mode A slash 3 discrete code slash VFR code and mode C altitude encoding when in radio contact with an air traffic facility or other agency providing air traffic services, unless instructed to do otherwise. If unable to immediately establish communications with an air traffic facility slash agency, squawk mode A slash 3, code 7700 slash emergency in mode C. Transmit a distress or urgency message consisting of as many as necessary of the following elements, preferably in the order listed. If distress, mayday, mayday, mayday. If urgency, pian pian, pian pian, pian pian. Name of station addressed. Aircraft identification and type. Nature of distress or urgency. Weather. Pilot's intentions and request. Present position and heading, or if lost, last known position, time, and heading since that position. Altitude or flight level. Fuel remaining in minutes. Number of people on board. Any other useful information. Reference P slash CG term fuel remaining. After establishing radio contact, comply with advice and instructions received. Cooperate. Do not hesitate to ask questions or clarify instructions when you do not understand or if you cannot comply with clearance. Assist the ground station to control. Communications on the frequency in use. Silence interfering radio stations. Do not change frequency or change to another ground station unless absolutely necessary. If you do, advise the ground station of the new frequency and station name prior to the change transmitting in the blind if necessary. If two-way communications cannot be established on the new frequency, return immediately to the frequency or station where two-way communications last existed. When in a distress condition with bailout, crash landing or ditching imminent, take the following additional actions to assist search and rescue units. Time and circumstances permitting, transmit as many as necessary of the message elements in subparagraph A3 above and any of the following that you think might be helpful. ELT status. Visible landmarks. Aircraft color. Number of persons on board. Emergency equipment on board. Actuate your ELT if the installation permits. For bailout and for crash landing or ditching if risk of fire is not a consideration, set your radio for continuous transmission. If it becomes necessary to ditch, make every effort to ditch near a surface vessel. If time permits, an FAA facility should be able to get the position of the nearest commercial or Coast Guard vessel from a Coast Guard Rescue Coordination Center. After a crash landing, unless you have good reason to believe that you will not be located by search aircraft or ground teams, it is best to remain with your aircraft and prepare means for signaling search aircraft.
A successful aircraft ditching is dependent on three primary factors. In order of importance, they are sea conditions and wind. Type of aircraft. Skill and technique of pilot. Common oceanographic terminology. C. The condition of the surface that is the result of both waves and swells. Wave or chop. The condition of the surface caused by the local winds. Swell. The condition of the surface which has been caused by a distance disturbance. Swell face. The side of the swell toward the observer. The backside is the side away from the observer. These definitions apply regardless of the direction of swell movement. Primary swell. The swell system having the greatest height from trough to crest. Secondary swells. Those swell systems of less height than the primary swell. Fetch. The distance the waves have been driven by a wind blowing in a constant direction, without obstruction. Swell period. The time interval between the passage of two successive crests at the same spot in the water, measured in seconds. Swell velocity. The speed and direction of the swell with relation to a fixed reference point, measured in knots. There is little movement of water in the horizontal direction. Swells move primarily in a vertical motion, similar to the motion observed when shaking out a carpet. Swell direction. The direction from which a swell is moving. This direction is not necessarily the result of the wind present at the scene. The swell may be moving into or across the local wind. Swells, once set in motion, tend to maintain their original direction for as long as they continue in deep water, regardless of changes in wind direction. Swell height. The height between crest and trough, measured in feet. The vast majority of ocean swells are lower than 12 to 15 feet, and swells over 25 feet are not common at any spot on the oceans. Successive swells may differ considerably in height. In order to select a good heading when ditching an aircraft, a basic evaluation of the sea is required. Selection of a good ditching heading may well minimize damage and could save your life. It can be extremely dangerous to land into the wind without regard to sea conditions. The swell system, or systems, must be taken into consideration. Remember one axiom avoid the face of a swell. In ditching parallel to the swell, it makes little difference whether touchdown is on the top of the crest or in the trough. It is preferable, however, to land on the top or back side of the swell, if possible. After determining which heading, and its reciprocal, will parallel the swell, select the heading with the most into the wind component. If only one swell system exists, the problem is relatively simple even with a high, fast system. Unfortunately, most cases involve two or more swell systems running in different directions. With more than one system present, the sea presents a confused appearance. One of the most difficult situations occurs when two swell systems are at right angles. For example, if one system is 8 feet high and the other 3 feet, plan to land parallel to the primary system and on the down swell of the secondary system. If both systems are of equal height, a compromise may be advisable select an intermediate heading at 45 degrees down swell to both systems. When landing down a secondary swell, attempt to touch down on the backside, not on the face of the swell. 
If the swell system is formidable, it is considered advisable, in land planes, to accept more crosswind in order to avoid landing directly into the swell. The secondary swell system is often from the same direction as the wind. Here, the landing may be made parallel to the primary system, with the wind and secondary system at an angle. There is a choice to two directions paralleling the primary system. One direction is downwind and down the secondary swell, and the other is into the wind and into the secondary swell. The choice will depend on the velocity of the wind versus the velocity and height of the secondary swell. The simplest method of estimating the wind direction and velocity is to examine the wind streaks on the water. These appear as long streaks up and down wind. Some persons may have difficulty determining wind direction after seeing the streaks on the water. White caps fall forward with the wind but are overrun by the waves thus producing the illusion that the foam is sliding backward. Knowing this, and by observing the direction of the streaks, the wind direction is easily determined. Wind velocity can be estimated by noting the appearance of the white caps, foam and wind streaks. The behavior of the aircraft on making contact with the water will vary within wide limits according to the state of the sea. If landed parallel to a single swell system, the behavior of the aircraft may approximate that to be expected on a smooth sea. If landed into a heavy swell or into a confused sea, the deceleration forces may be extremely great resulting in breaking up of the aircraft. Within certain limits, the pilot is able to minimize these forces by proper sea evaluation and selection of ditching heading. When on final approach the pilot should look ahead and observe the surface of the sea. There may be shadows and whitecaps signs of large seas. Shadows and whitecaps close together indicate short and rough seas. Touchdown in these areas is to be avoided. Select and touchdown in any area, only about 500 feet is needed, where the shadows and whitecaps are not so numerous. Touchdown should be at the lowest speed and rate of descent which permit safe handling and optimum nose-up attitude on impact. Once first impact has been made, there is often little the pilot can do to control a land plane. Once pre-ditching preparations are completed, the pilot should turn to the ditching heading and commence letdown. The aircraft should be flown low over the water and slowed down until 10 knots or so above stall. At this point, additional power should be used to overcome the increased drag caused by the nose-up attitude. When a smooth stretch of water appears ahead, cut power and touch down at the best recommended speed as fully stalled as possible. By cutting power when approaching a relatively smooth area, the pilot will prevent overshooting and will touch down with less chance of planing off into a second uncontrolled landing. Most experienced seaplane pilots prefer to make contact with the water in a semi-stalled attitude, cutting power as the tail makes contact. This technique eliminates the chance of misjudging altitude with a resultant heavy drop in a fully stalled condition. Care must be taken not to drop the aircraft from too high altitude or to balloon due to excessive speed. The altitude above. Water depends on the aircraft. Over glassy smooth water, or at night without sufficient light, it is very easy for even the most experienced pilots to misjudge altitude by 50 feet or more. Under such conditions, carry enough power to maintain 9 to 12 degrees nose up attitude, and 10 to 20% over stalling speed until contact is made with the water.
The proper use of power on the approach is of great importance. If power is available on one side only, a little power should be used to flatten the approach, however, the engine should not be used to such an extent that the aircraft cannot be turned against the good engines right down to the stall with a margin of rudder movement available. When near the stall, sudden application of excessive unbalanced power may result in loss of directional control. If power is available on one side only, a slightly higher than normal glide approach speed should be used. This will Ensure good control and some margin of speed after leveling off without excessive use. Of power The use of power in ditching is so important that when it is certain that the coast cannot be reached, the pilot should, if possible, ditch before fuel is exhausted. The use of power in a night or instrument ditching is far more essential than under daylight contact conditions. If no power is available, a greater than normal approach speed should be used down to the flare-out. This speed margin will allow the glide to be broken early and more gradually, thereby giving the pilot time and distance to feel for the surface, decreasing the possibility of stalling high or flying into the water. When landing parallel to a swell system, little difference is noted between landing on top of a crest or in the trough. If the wings of aircraft are trimmed to the surface of the sea rather than the horizon, there is little need to worry about a wing hitting a swell crest. The actual slope of a swell is very gradual. If forced to land into a swell, touchdown should be made just after passage of the crest. If contact is made on the face of the swell, the aircraft may be swamped or thrown violently into the air, dropping heavily into the next swell. If control surfaces remain intact, the pilot should attempt to maintain the proper nose above the horizon attitude by rapid and positive use of the controls. After touchdown. In most cases drift, caused by crosswinds, can be ignored. The forces acting on the aircraft after touchdown are of such magnitude that drift will be only a secondary consideration. If the aircraft is under good control, the crab may be kicked out with rudder just prior to touchdown. This is more important with high-wing aircraft, for they are laterally unstable on the water in a crosswind and may roll to the side in ditching. Reference this information has been extracted from Appendix H of the National Search and Rescue Manual. Special Emergency, Air Piracy A special emergency is a condition of air piracy, or other hostile act by a person's aboard an aircraft, which threatens the safety of the aircraft or its passengers. The pilot of an aircraft reporting a special emergency condition should, if circumstances permit, apply distress or urgency radiotelephony procedures. Include the details of the special emergency. Reference AIM, paragraph 631, Distress and Urgency Communications. If circumstances do not permit the use of prescribed distress or urgency procedures, transmit on the air-slash-ground frequency in use at the time. As many as possible of the following elements spoken distinctly and in the following order. Name of the station addressed, time and circumstances permitting. The identification of the aircraft and present position. The nature of the special emergency condition and pilot intentions, circumstances permitting. If unable to provide this information, Use code words and or transponder as follows. 
Note code 7500 will never be assigned by ATC without prior notification from the pilot that the aircraft is being subjected to unlawful interference. The pilot should refuse the assignment of code 7500 in any other situation and inform the controller accordingly. Code 7500 will trigger the special emergency indicator in all radar ATC facilities. Air traffic controllers will acknowledge and confirm receipt of transponder code 7500 by asking the pilot to verify it. If the aircraft is not being subjected to unlawful interference, the pilot should respond to the query by broadcasting in the clear that the aircraft is not being subjected to unlawful interference. Upon receipt of this information, the controller will request the pilot to verify the code selection depicted in the code selector windows in the transponder control panel and change the code to the appropriate setting. If the pilot replies in the affirmative or does not reply, the controller will not ask further questions but will flight follow, respond to pilot requests and notify appropriate authorities. If it is possible to do so without jeopardizing the safety of the flight, the pilot of a hijacked passenger aircraft, after departing from the cleared routing over which the aircraft was operating, will attempt to do one or more of the following things, insofar as circumstances may permit. Maintain a true airspeed of no more than 400 knots, and preferably an altitude of between 10,000 and 25,000 feet. Fly a course toward the destination which the hijacker has announced. If these procedures result in either radio contact or air intercept, the pilot will attempt to comply with any instructions received which may direct the aircraft to an appropriate landing field or alter the aircraft's flight path off its current course, away from protected airspace. Fuel Dumping Should it become necessary to dump fuel, the pilot should immediately advise ATC. Upon receipt of information that an aircraft will dump fuel, ATC will broadcast or cause to be broadcast immediately and every three minutes thereafter the following on appropriate ATC and FSS radio frequencies, example attention all aircraft fuel dumping in progress over, location, at, altitude, by, type aircraft, flight direction. Upon receipt of such a broadcast, pilots of aircraft affected, which are not on IFR flight plans or special VFR clearances, should clear the area specified in the advisory. Aircraft on IFR flight plans or special VFR clearances will be provided specific separation by ATC. At the termination of the fuel dumping operation, pilots should advise ATC. Upon receipt of such information, ATC will issue, on the appropriate frequencies, the following, example attention all aircraft fuel dumping by, type aircraft, terminated.